Have you ever encountered something completely unexpected? Of course you have. I, I know you have. We all have. We've encountered things that we did not expect to happen. They, they strike us by surprise, and we cannot help to respond to them, but in, in some fashion, they, they evoke a response. My, my wife, Grace, had this experience several times when she and our son, Daniel, had this competition back and forth. It's while he still lived in the house, and for several years, it would go back and forth with them trying to scare each other. They, they would try to scare each other. I'm not sure who started it. Probably my wife, just knowing her. Is that true? Do you remember? I mean, it's lost in the annuals of history at this point. But, but at any rate, they, they started hiding this snake around the house. They, they started hiding it so that the other person would have a surprise encounter. Uh, like I said, I don't know who started it, but I know that Daniel definitely won the competition. He won as far as who could generate the, the biggest scream and, and the, the greatest um, response, usually followed by hysterical laughter afterwards. Grace responded several times because she was shocked. One time, for example, she turned on light switch in the basement and there was the snake hanging just right by the light switch inside the door. There was another time where it sprung out of the laundry basket at her as she was lifting the towels out and it was hiding under the towels. You, you probably can get an image in your mind, of your mind, you know, this terrifying reptile springing out at you. Let me show you a picture of it springing out from a closet so you can get the full idea of the terror. <laughs> you can see why this fearsome creature would evoke such a response. <laughs> the fight or flight would be natural that you would have from this. Of course, we, we know it's the surprise that evokes the response, not the actual animal itself, stuffed as it was. There, there are some things that, that we encounter, though, that we, we simply must respond to. We, we cannot ignore them. They, they come right in front of us, they're unexpected, and we have to react. Well, this morning, I'm going to ask us to consider the most unexpected encounter, as well as the most important encounter any of us can ever have. Uh, on Friday in our noon service for Good Friday, we, we followed the crucifixion account as Matthew records it in his gospel. Mainly we were in Matthew 27, but we did look before that just briefly to see that, that while Jesus died on the cross, while he was killed at the hands of Roman soldiers there in Jerusalem, it was not by surprise. Yes, it was instigated by the Jewish leaders, but Jesus knew it was coming. We backed up far enough to note that he knew this was the destiny that awaited him as he went to Jerusalem. He went to the cross voluntarily, fulfilling God's intended plan. Well, this morning on what we call Resurrection Sunday, I'm going to remain in Matthew's record of what happened. We're going to look at what Matthew records happens two days after the cross. We, we look at this account this morning, and as we do, we're going to be forced to consider how will we respond to an unexpected counter, encounter? Most of us have probably heard the resurrection story many times. It's quite unlikely that for anyone sitting here this morning, this is your first Easter Sunday in a church. Most of us have heard this account before, and we've already responded in various ways, ranging from outright rejection of the story to a full acceptance of the story. This morning, I am not going to argue for the resurrection. 
I'm simply going to affirm the resurrection. I'm going to affirm alongside the united testimony of the Gospels. I'm going to affirm alongside the rest of the New Testament. I'm going to affirm alongside the extensive history of the Christian church. I'm just going to simply affirm it is true. After all, the the resurrection of of Jesus is one of the most well-attested events in all of human history. It's what the Bible states. It's what history demonstrates. Jesus rose from the dead. He left the tomb on the third day after he was placed into it. If you are here this morning and you refuse to accept the historical record, there is nothing that I can say that will convince you. Furthermore, let me just assure you that your refusal to accept the historical event in no way affects the event itself. It's still history. The tomb is still empty. What I want to ask you this morning is, how will you respond to an encounter with the resurrected Jesus? How will you respond? As we'll see in our passage this morning, when Jesus rose from the dead, there's really two basic responses. Yes, there may be nuances. We might use different words to describe them. But there's two basic different responses that that can come forth. These two responses really remain the only options available to us. Jesus rose from the dead. We, We cannot deny that without denying historical fact. We will encounter him. We must respond to him. We must respond to Jesus. We must. The encounter forces a response. We must respond to Jesus. How will you respond? If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. There, Matthew records the announcement of Jesus' resurrection in the first eight verses of Matthew 28. Looking at verse 1. Matthew writes, Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. We must respond to Jesus. As I said, there's only two overall options. If we want to boil it down to things, there's really two ways we can respond to an unexpected encounter with a a risen Jesus. For one approach, let me ask you, will you respond to Jesus with terror? Will you respond with terror? That's the first possible response to suddenly encountering the resurrected Jesus. We, we see that exemplified in the verses I just read in the soldiers, the guards that were placed there. These, these guards were Roman soldiers that were assigned to watch over Jesus' tomb, to guard it. They were placed there as suggestion of the Jewish leaders to Pilate, who was the governor. They, they wanted to ensure that no one would come and steal his body from the, the tomb and, and fake his resurrection. 
They wanted to make sure that didn't happen, so these Jewish leaders, they went to Pilate, the, the governor, and after his death on what would have been Saturday, yesterday in, in our chronology of things, and, and told Pilate that, that Jesus had claimed before his death that he was going to rise again. They, they suggested that Pilate put this guard there so that no one could do that. Pilate immediately understood that if someone stole the body and was able to claim they rose from the dead, that, that would fan the flames of rebellion. Of course, his duty, part of it for Rome, was to keep rebellion from happening in his corner of the Roman Empire. So, so he agreed to sign these guards to the tomb so that no one could sneak in. And then he had the tomb officially sealed to guarantee that it was unopened. That explains why the guards were there. They, they were there to prevent someone from stealing Jesus. The, these Roman soldiers, they're, they're well-trained, they're, they're well-equipped soldiers, they're, they're prepared to, to respond to any threat. And I, I would expect, based on the way Roman soldiers normally operated, they were also prepared to use any means necessary, whatever force was required to ensure that that tomb remained untouched. And yet... As prepared as these soldiers were, they were completely unprepared for what they encountered. Rather than some people coming and attempting to, to break into the tomb, the guards were right there when Jesus rose from the dead. Now, now we don't know from Matthew's record if they saw Jesus at all. Matthew doesn't tell us. We, we don't know if they saw Jesus pass out of the tomb as, as he came back to life. We do know, though, that they saw all the phenomena that, that was associated in conjunction with him coming back to life. There was this great earth, earthquake right there in the garden. It was shaken. There was the mighty angel who, who suddenly appeared and, and walked over and rolled this large stone that, that covered the mouth of the tomb away. And then this angel went, sat down on top of it sat down right at the open mouth of the tomb and took a position of waiting. They saw all of that. Now, just to, to chase a, a slight bunny trail, we won't go very far down the bunny road, but, but I want to make sure we realize this angel, he did not roll the stone away so Jesus could get out. Jesus didn't come back to life and then need someone to give him power to get out of the tomb. No, this angel rolled the stone away so that the women who are about to appear could get into the tomb. And other gospel writers tell us that other disciples came later, and this way they were able to get in as well. The angel was waiting for the women. He was not waiting for Jesus. Well, this angel surely was an awesome sight. Um, his appearance, we're told, was like lightning. He had dazzling clothes, appear white. It, you know, just let your imagination run a little bit. He was awesome. I can't fully picture what it would be like, but the combination was too much for the soldiers, we know that. They were frozen here in stupefied terror. Matthew tells us they became like dead men. We, we know they were not dead. They, they later revived and they went and reported what they saw to the Jewish leaders. Still, the, the clear impression is that they must have been in such a state of abject terror that they just simply froze for a significant amount of time. Fight or flight, they couldn't do either. They froze. 
This response, this response of absolute terror, that, that's the first option that, that someone can have to the resurrected Jesus. Now, you might be sitting here this morning thinking, not me. I ain't a person that's scared of anything. I would never be frozen in terror. No matter what situation comes up, I respond. Well, I hate to break it to you, but you're wrong. You may be pretty tough. You might be a person that, that won't even blink when a real snake jumped out at you from the closet, let alone a cloth one. Yet, yet I'm sure you have nothing on these hardened professional soldiers. These soldiers were part of the most well-trained military army that this world had ever seen to this point in history. They, they were confident men, and they had every reason to be confident men. I really expect that these men were at least as tough as you, if not tougher. And yet they froze in terror. And unless you think that these men saw something that you will never see, think again. From, from what we see in Matthew, they, they most likely, I said, never even saw the resurrected Jesus. And if they did, Jesus looked like a regular man walking back out of that tomb. And yet we're told in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, that the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. When he comes again, and the Bible tells us many places throughout the New Testament, he is coming again. He is coming in a very different manner. He is coming with his angels in flaming fire. So, if you think about that picture and you compare it to here in Matthew, what you will see is so much greater than what these soldiers ever saw. The, the only phrase they mind when I think about comparing the two is, buddy, you ain't seen nothing yet. Our one angel waiting quietly for these ladies versus Jesus with a host of angels in flaming fire. Jesus is risen. You will encounter him. Regardless of whether you live until he returns or not, you will encounter Jesus. You will stand before him and he will sit in judgment. And he will sit on that judgment seat in full power and glory with no denying his deity. If you're not prepared to face him before then, much like these guards, you will respond in absolute terror. Terror will be the response because the punishment that will be coming down to you for not preparing will be swift. It will be absolute. It will be an eternity in the lake of fire. We must respond to Jesus. Will you respond to Jesus with terror? You will not be able to ignore him. Will you respond to him in terror? That's the first basic response that is possible but praise god is not the only option so let me ask you secondly the other option will you respond to jesus with awe and joy with awe and joy as we think about our passage consider the example set by the two marys the, these ladies had been close followers of jesus it's even possible that the one that Matthew refers to as the other Mary, we have Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, that might be Jesus' mother. 
what we have going on is very early on Sunday morning, these two ladies, and, and according to other Gospels, there were possibly others that were coming too, but these ladies outdistanced them on, on the way to the tomb. These ladies were coming, making their way at daybreak out to the tomb where Jesus had been placed after his crucifixion, coming to see the tomb as well as the other Gospels record that they brought spices. They were coming to, to wrap Jesus' body. They were coming out of devotion and, and love and concern to, to care for his body as their final act of devotion and love. The one thing that is clear from Matthew's account is that these ladies were not expecting to encounter the scene that they found. They expected a lot of things, but not what they ran into. They expected to find the body of Jesus in the tomb. They expected to find a, a stone sealing the tomb. They, they likely did not even know about the soldiers that, that were waiting because Mark, one of the other gospel writers, tells us that they were wondering how they were going to roll a stone away. They did not know there'd be men that could help them get in or actually were specifically there to prevent them from doing that. So they didn't expect to find the soldiers. They did not expect to find the, the stone rolled away from the tomb. They, they did not expect certainly to find an angel waiting for them at the tomb. And they most certainly never expected to find an empty tomb. Yet that is exactly what they found when they got there. They found a tomb open and empty rather than sealed and filled they, they found this angel with an appearance of lightning and dazzling garments waiting for them instead of the body of Jesus. They encountered the unexpected. They had to respond, but unlike the, the guards, these ladies were not frozen in fear. Granted, they, they were most certainly stunned by the awesome sight of the angel because he immediately tells them, do not be afraid. But they were not frozen in terror. Rather than being frozen in terror, it seems as if these ladies were heightened in their focus by the shock of what they encountered. These ladies stop and listen to the message that the angel gives. The, the angel tells them, Jesus is no longer here because he's no longer dead. He, he's risen. He, he invites them to enter the tomb and see the spot where he had laid. He reminds them, Jesus himself told you this is what would happen, that he would raise it from the dead. Really, if you think about that, the angel's implying you ought to know this is what you would expect. Instead of what you were expecting, your expectations were flawed. And then the angel gives them instructions. They are to go and tell the disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead. These ladies are commissioned to be the very first witnesses to this momentous fact. He rose from the dead. They're to inform the disciples and, and tell the disciples that Jesus is going to meet them in Galilee. And I want you to notice their response. Consider how they respond. They, they don't stand there with their mouths open. They don't stand dazzled and dazed and dumbfounded. They certainly don't stand there in terror. No, they, they turn around and they take off to, to do exactly what they've been told to do. Verse 8 tells us that they ran they, they didn't meander off. They, they took off with all the energy that they could muster. Why? Because they were excited. They had a message to tell. They had an assignment to, to, to deliver. They were filled with great joy. 
verse 8 says, with great joy. He also tells us there that they're left with fear. But obviously this is a different kind of fear than the fear the soldiers had. The fear for the soldiers froze them. It was a terror kind of fear. The ladies' fear drives them to action. It's the fearful attitude toward awesomeness, the awesomeness of their message, the, the majesty of Jesus, the one that they're considering. It's the fear that we call awe. They were awed by the power of Jesus. Not even death could hold him. They're awed by the graciousness of God in conveying this wondrous message to them as the first ones to carry it forth, these ladies. Ladies who didn't even have the faith to believe Jesus himself when he had told them that he would rise from the dead. They are awed by their Lord and their Savior. They're awed by the fact he is alive. Do you see why they're filled with great joy? Their Lord and Savior is alive. They wanted to go tell others about him. They wanted to tell others about the one that they loved with this great news that he is alive. They wanted to tell them as fast as they could. This is where we see the other possible response to the resurrected Jesus. These ladies hadn't even seen him we, we don't know if the guards did or not directly, but these ladies had not. We know that, and yet their joy was already uncontrollable, uncontainable. The, the simple fact that he had risen was enough. Good news doesn't stay bottled up. We simply want to share it. It spreads as fast as the carriers can take it. This is how the ladies were. They took this news as fast as they could run. I remember when our first child, Katie, was born. We did not keep the news of her birth quiet. We didn't keep it to ourselves. Of course, it was before the day of Facebook, so we actually had to pick up the phone and start making phone calls as fast as we could, but that's what we did. We called people and told them. When Daniel, our son, arrived, we did the same thing. Good news, he's here. The point is, we were filled with joy, and we wanted to share the joy with others who would share the good news as quickly as we could. That's how the ladies felt. They're filled here with this great joy. They have this great news to tell, and they wanted to share it as fast as they could. This morning, we cannot hear the account recorded by Matthew without encountering the resurrected Jesus. In the pages and the verses that we read, we encounter Jesus. Will you respond to Jesus with awe and with joy? Awe and joy like these ladies had when they encountered this angel who told them that he had risen. This morning, if you hear and you say that you have similar awe, you have similar joy, let me ask you, do your actions resemble their actions? If you sit here this morning and say, I love him like they loved him, do your actions mimic theirs? The moment the ladies understood that Jesus had risen, they took off to tell others the great news. They shared their joy. They expressed their awe. Who are you telling? Who are you sharing your joy? Who knows about the joy you have in your resurrected Savior? Who hears the awe in your voice every time you talk about Jesus.
Will you respond to Jesus with awe and joy? If so, we will share him with others. One of the benefits that comes around of celebrating Easter each year is it does give us an annual reminder of the wonder of what Jesus did. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. But once a year, we do get a little boost in our joy tank. We, we get a little charge in our awe battery as we're reminded what Jesus has done. Each Easter, we encounter the empty tomb in a special way. We encounter the resurrected Jesus, and, and we renew the awe and joy that should be ours all year long. Jesus is risen. The awe and joy over our salvation, it should fill us all year long. Jesus is risen. He died for our sins. He did what we could not. And then he rose from the grave in victory. Will you respond to Jesus with awe and with joy? We must respond to Jesus. He is risen. Will you respond to Jesus with awe and joy? Sometimes we encounter the unexpected. It just comes. My, my wife, as I said, had several of those cre- creative surprise encounters with that little snake. Every time she was forced to respond. She couldn't ignore that snake once it sprung at her. Well, Jesus is risen. We must respond. He will not be ignored. The only question is which of the basic options available to us will be our response. Will you respond to Jesus with terror? Or will you respond to Jesus with awe and joy? This morning, both of these responses are exemplified in in the people we see arriving at the empty tomb in Matthew's gospel, being there on that resurrection Sunday. The soldiers, they responded in terror. Will you stand before Jesus in terror? You may manage to suppress that terror for a time, but the day is coming when Jesus will return in all his flaming glory, and you will stand before him. If that is the first time you acknowledge the fact that he is risen, your response will be absolute terror, because the lake of fire will be your future for all eternity. We saw the two Marys respond. They respond with awe and joy. That's a responsible person who has accepted Jesus as Savior and is excited that Jesus died and rose again. It's the response of someone who wants to tell others about what he has done. Jesus has risen from the dead. We must respond to that fact. But how we respond is so important. Before we leave this morning, let me ask you the question, how have you personally responded to the resurrected Jesus? In this very moment, how are you responding to Jesus? He is risen. Have you accepted his death as payment for your sins? Jesus died for you. He did not die for himself. Pastor Aaron shared that so well on Friday when we talked about the cross. He died so that We could have life. Our sins require our death, but he died in our place. He died so that we can stop trying to do the impossible and somehow make ourselves good enough for God. 
And instead, all we have to do is accept through faith that his death takes our place. That his death makes us good enough for God. Have you done that? We can believe today that we are forgiven as sinners for our sins when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. We can believe today that God declares us righteous because Jesus, the righteous one, died in our place. I know how I respond to Jesus. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. I respond to him with awe and with joy. How are you responding? Personally, how are you responding today? Are you still trying to deal with life on your own? The the Bible is clear. The wages of sin is death. The only question is, whose death? Will it be your death for all eternity in the lake of fire? Or will it be Jesus' death in your place? Don't leave this morning without deciding how you're going to respond to Jesus. Don't leave this morning without accepting his payment. If you never have, today is the day that you can do that. Talk to me after the service. I can help you this morning respond to Jesus with awe and joy rather than anticipating terror. If you're listening over the live stream this morning or you're listening to a video recording of this, contact me in my email there. See my email address on the screen. I would love to show you how you can respond to Jesus because the reality is we must respond to Jesus. We cannot ignore him. He is right there before us. We must respond to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we have such joy in our hearts because we serve a risen Savior. We have joy in our hearts because our risen Savior has conquered sin and death. Father, we have that joy if we have accepted his death in our place. But Father, I believe there are someone here undoubtedly this morning listening who has never done that. So Father, I pray that this morning in your grace and your mercy you might fill their heart with abject terror in advance of the terror that they would face when they stand before Christ and that you would use the terror in their heart today to help them realize that today is the day that they've encountered the risen Jesus. And may they come to faith so that they can join the many of us here that are celebrating today the, with awe and with joy, knowing that our Savior is risen. They're waiting with eager anticipation for the day that he comes again. And until that day, you're seeking to faithfully serve him. I pray that you would help us to take the joy that we have and let it move us even this week, even today, as we gather with family members that may need to know Christ. May we share the joy that we have in him. May we boldly and joyfully proclaim that the tomb is empty and that in that empty tomb is the symbol of our greatest hope because it points us to the only one who can bring hope to a sin-filled life, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.